the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack. In this episode, we did another draft. This time, we covered New Age Records. Uh, the guys, the crew, Alex, Chris, me, Derek, we were joined by Larry of Bleachmouth Postscript, who has uh, been on the podcast before. And he helped us do a new age draft. As a special guest, we had Mark Hartsfield, who you may or may not know is a founder of New Age Records. He gave us some commentary on some of the picks that we did, gave us some cool stories about New Age Records. And all in all, it was another good entry into the Core Talk series. We'll have some interviews soon, some more Core Talk and some other goodies as well as, uh, you know, our demo drop. So enjoy all this stuff because we're having a good time doing it. Um, At the end of the episode, we're going to play a band called Countdown to Life, which is a band that Mike Hartsfield mentioned that he loves on New Age. And we thought we'd give them some rub because actually I haven't listened to them before and I checked them out and it's pretty cool stuff. So enjoy and we'll see you on the next one. episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack. We are doing another in our core talk series <laughs> as dubbed by Chris. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna draft our favorite new age records releases and we have a special guest here who will introduce himself last. So I'll go first. I'm Mark. I'm Chris. I'm Alex. I'm Derek. Larry. And my name is Mike Hartsfield. Who is the founder of New Age Records. We did, this with, we did this with Victory, but Tony wouldn't return our phone calls, so that just didn't happen. <laughs> um, so the, it's going to work like this. We're going to pick our favorite records. We have already uh, picked the order of, of uh, drafting. And we'll like say a couple of words about it. And I'm hoping that Mike, you might have some anecdotes about mm-hmm. the various releases and stuff like that. Make it fun. I will do um, my or, best. Or even question some of our choices. <laughs> oh, like, okay. <laughs> like really that one? I'll really, I'll really hurt some feelings that way. <laughs> Dude, I heard you, you guys didn't think I, we, we, we deserve to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> is is Mike going to be picking any, or is he just going to talk about them? I mean, can uh, you pick your children like that? Very <laughs> <laughs> Bleachmouth, the voice of reason. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I guess first of all, like Mike, give us a brief history of of New Age. Uh, sure. Uh, I grew up in the 80s, primarily my interest in music and everything came from the 80s and 
Uh, I was around the heavy metal scene of Los Angeles and Hollywood and all that uh, growing up. And I had seen, like, there were so many music trade magazines. I had seen uh, advertisements for, you know, press your own records. And, and there were so many pressing plants out here at that time that you would see deals for 507 inches and however much cost and 1,012 inches and and I just, it just dawned on me that there were places you could go to and get records pressed, you know, and uh, I just thought it was amazing. And I ended up, you know, meeting people and, uh, you know, calling some of these numbers and getting, you know, late 80s information on how to get records pressed. And uh, it was just, I was new into heart, into playing in bands in real bands in like 87 and uh, 86, 87, and was meeting bands, 87, and uh, met the guys in Walk Proud, and I was just a huge fan, and I was just thinking, like, how come these guys don't have a record out, and so many bands didn't have records out, were, you know, playing out a bunch, you know, some touring and some not, and uh, I was just enamored with, like, how can I help these guys out, and so uh, one release led to two and three releases and then into four and five. And then I, all of a sudden I was running a record label when uh, that wasn't my original intention. My original intention was just to do this record and see if I could sell a thousand of them. So uh, from there, uh, that was the late 80s into the 90s. Things really exploded um, into the mid 90s when things were at their peak and uh, we shut down for a couple of years because we had trusted some distributors that uh, really wanted to see us go out in a ball of fire. <laughs> um, so uh, after, after that, like 99, we started up again, trusting different people, different distributors, and then slowly built it back from that till today. Wasn't there another gap in there? Uh, was there a gap in there? Uh, from 99 to 2000 to 2001 was like, uh, it's funny, I think of catalog numbers. Um, it was, it was a slow build from there, um, doing like, uh, the Amendment 18 LP, Insurgents, Countervail, that kind of stuff. Um, that was like a, a bit of a burst of releases that kind of all came out. Um, then it slowed a little bit again. Um, but there were no during that time there was no actual being closed like we might have been been dealing with bands less but still shipping to you know revelation our distributor and and just doing less probably on the radar than anyone was seeing but our real like hey we're closed was the end of the 90s like 97 98 which was when we had in the shoot, we had the uh, trial LP that ended up coming out on Equal Vision. We had the Redemption 87 record, which ended up coming out on Blackout. Those were both in the stage of like either recording or getting ready to send off for test pressings. And that's when we literally closed the doors and were uh, technically homeless, but uh, just the business was in a position where like I had to put a stop to things. Like I just literally couldn't play, couldn't pay the light bill anymore. And was just like, all right, too many people owe us money. We're in a really weird position. So let's just uh, call it a day or call it a few years, I guess. Those are particularly that, was, that trial record. That's like a really big one to close shop on. 
Yeah. You know, just missing it by that much. Like that record was huge. Right. Right. And which could have been the one, I mean, that and the Redemption 80, I think the Redemption 87 record was really good. I don't know how well it did as mm -hmm. far as uh, sales or, I mean, I know the band was kind of wrapping things up. So that probably would have hindered uh, the support of the release, but that trial record, yeah, it was huge and probably could have turned things around for us. And we could, probably could have had leverage to get people to pay us like, Hey, we've got something new, but literally at the time I couldn't, I couldn't pay to manufacture it. Yeah. Crazy. That was actually a really interesting answer relative to what I was, uh, what I was actually curious about, which was, I felt like there were a couple of years, maybe 10 years ago, uh, well after what you're talking about where you went without some releases, but you know, maybe uh, there probably is. Um, yeah. There, there was a, a buddy of mine calls the, uh, I think it's like the 2007 to probably 2011 years as the CD years, like <laughs> during the time when we weren't really making so much vinyl uh, and making more CDs, uh, which was probably around the time I think you're thinking, which, uh, yeah, was was kind of a lull in real activity for new bands and new releases and stuff. But um, yeah, I could, I'd probably have to go through with a, you know, a calendar and a list of the catalog numbers and figure out like there's probably there's got to be a few years where we probably didn't put out anything or put out one or two things yeah, there was definitely like some slow periods in there and then i think it was like around 2016 or so when you decided to focus like new age is back it's a functioning label here we go regular releases you know yeah yeah your time frame is exactly right because that is when I put out the Free Will LP, the one that had been on Wishing Well that didn't come out. And mm -hmm. um, I was actually working at a pressing plant at the time. So it was kind of like, oh, well, I've kind of got this ability in my back pocket. Um, why don't I, you know, and, and putting out records has always been fun. Um, you know, some bands more fun to work with than others, but uh, that was definitely a time when I wasn't trying to be a label like in competition with anyone, you know, fighting for the big tours or fighting for any, you know, glory or uh, anything to shine up and put on my resume at that point. It was really like, are there things I want to do? And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, 2016 is kind of like the, oh, we're back as a full time label running again. And um, I actually did have a warehouse at the time for my screen printing business. So it was kind of like perfect timing to go, well, I've got some warehouse space. I work at the place that's going to make the records. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was kind of a lot of things that made it easier to when, uh, when I had an official shutdown, it was like, uh, I'm skipping out on the rent and, you know, I've got to let this warehouse go and I've got to you know, move my equipment out of here. So before, before we get into the, the, the draft here, other than the trial and um, Redemption 87 record, are there any records you regret not putting out or passing on? Um, actual releases. Um, uh, no, I don't think that there's like, there's not a release that was like sitting there in front of me and I, I told it to go somewhere else. Um, there was a time, I think the time frame that is most uh, in line probably with 
with what would answer the question is, uh, I can't think of what year it was. Well, at the start of New Age, when we when we were first starting to do stuff, um, oh, when I was first starting to do stuff, uh, demos that I had gotten that I that I kind of put in the stack of uh, maybe maybe not uh, was the Snapcase demo, like the very first demo. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like, I was like, nah, I don't know, you know, it's uh, nah, maybe maybe not, and and also the Earth Crisis demo. Ooh. So I remember, being like, I remember being like, I don't know, you know, and, and, you know, those things you can look back at and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> between, between skipping those and putting out Strife, you, you could have just sold your label for $40 million last year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one, one release that wasn't, uh, it, it was prior to it being a release was, uh, working with Strife, or not even working with Strife, being in touch with Strife, and them going, "Hey, we're gonna do this LP. You know, you you want in on it?" And I was like, "Fuck no!" Like, <laughs> and, and it was at a point where I knew them as people, and I liked certain members of the band as people, but I knew how much of a pain in the ass they were gonna be, and had been. You know, like they were when I say they, I'm kind of grouping them all together. Certain members were very young, very full of their own shit and very tough to deal with, you know? And I was thinking like, boy, do I step back in with dealing with these guys again? And what ended up being the One Truth LP, um, yes, it sold a bazillion copies and, and launched their career you can call it a, whatever it is their musical uh journey um but also uh, they told me how much it cost to record and i could have never recorded that record so you know should i put that out yeah now it would be great but to deal with i, I really liked dealing with the label as me dealing with bands and helping them them helping the label and like good chemistry and good people and things that worked well together and I didn't see that as something that would be joyous in any way and um, though that would have been you know uh, a huge huge release for the label as it was huge for victory um, but then again it's like I didn't have to deal with them on that level again All right. I got uh, I got one question before um, so you're um, putting out a slugfest seven inch. How did that come yes. about? Uh, Scott hit me up and said, Hey dude, uh, we've got this idea. Um, we've got these two songs we recorded in 96 <laughs> that never had vocals on them. Uh, I'm going to put vocals on them. I think it was over Christmas break or something. Uh, and he's like, would you want to put it out? And I went, absolutely. And he sent me <laughs> the stuff without vocals. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. 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 Yeah. And then he sent me the stuff with vocals. I'm like, okay, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, you, so, Do you know the other side of that story? I so, do not. So Scott asked his brother, Jay, what label do you want this to come out on? And Jay said, new age. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's, That's perfect. You got, yeah, you got awesome, his wish, man. right? I, I yeah. Didn't know that. <laughs> Galvin, get well, me what he wants. Yeah, and and Scott doesn't ask for much, so 
he's he's an example of the people that I've always liked dealing with that are just in it for all the right reasons. They're uh, just good people. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, under the surface that you're not seeing. He's just a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's about it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. About that I, wish, I, wish, I wish we had more of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we may or may not have lifted core talk from him. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Larry, you are up first. Give me the first pick in a new age draft. It was uh, pretty easy coming up with my first two picks. Um, this one really stuck with me as a person who is and I don't mean this in any disrespect, decidedly not straight edge. This yeah. seems like an odd pick, but I went with a firm standing law by chorus. Um, nice. That record. Um, I listened to it pretty thoroughly. Um, I listened well, to it. Pretty, yeah, it's, I got some <laughs> fucking weird ad popped up in my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> somebody's always trying to sell me shit. Um, just like I'm trying to sell you guys some shit right now. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's one of those records that always stuck with me. Like there's, you know, I, I listened to it again over the past couple of days when you guys asked me to kind of hop in on this and, uh, it still holds up. I mean, I have my complaints and there are things that as a fucking cranky old man that I'm like, well, I wish this was different. I wish this was different, but it's still fucking good, man. And on the CD where it's coupled with the other stuff, it's even better because you can kind of see how it goes. I I tend to prefer their fast stuff and when they play shorter songs. And Firm Standing Law, aside from your mistake, doesn't have a ton of fast stuff. But it, it still it still works out. They're they were heavy and just I don't know. They just seem to have little regard for what other people were doing. And I appreciate And they that. used from they they used white shadow quotes like only 50 year olds know what that is i used to watch the white shadow come on who was it right because you're like russell no no ken russell's the director ken something or other was the actor oh ken howard yeah ken howard yeah i said said ken russell the director of fucking uh uh altered states (laughs) uh but no it's 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 a good record i really like it and um yeah, that, that's my first pick. There's not much else to say. Like I said, you know, even though I, you know, even though I'm not straight, I, I love that record because they kind of come from a more um, anecdotal, personal slant with their lyrics as opposed to just sloganeering and kind of, you know. Although I got to say, I love that picture of, I think it's Banks standing over uh, the singer whose name's escaped me right now. Isaac. Isaac. He has his hand on his shoulder. And I, my wife at the time was like, is he consoling him or is that a sexy massage? I'm like, I'll just say it's a sexy massage because that's way funnier given the context of the situation. But uh, yeah, that, it's pretty what... funny either way. <laughs> uh, but that's my first pick. It's a great record. Yeah, awesome. That's, I think that's the first 10 inch I ever bought. Pretty really? sure. Yeah, me, pretty sure. Yeah. And me as, me, me as well. Yeah. I, I got that and then I got the CD because I had the other material on it. Like the one seven inch wasn't something that was at the time I picked it up, wasn't readily available here in Ohio. So I kind of <laughs> like, oh, there's the CD. I'm getting that too, you know. And I already had the first LP, but fuck it. Something played in my car. So nice. There you go. I like it. 
any any stories to go along with that, Mike? Like how did how uh, did that, like how did that come about happening on New Age? Uh, two stories come to mind. Um, one being uh, the second seven inch, the one that ended up coming out on Nemesis, um, was recorded at West Beach uh, Studios, and um, funny talking about the White Shadow because those guys were so into the TV show The White Shadow that. Uh, they finished recording their record and uh, the fourth track on there was the white shadow theme, uh, the TV show theme. Yeah. And, and the story goes the way the story was told to me was that they had given that to big Frank from nemesis. And he was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's this fourth track? And they go, Oh, it's the, it's the TV show theme for the white shadow. And they were like, he's, he was like, that's not going on the record. And they were like, our record is done it's it's those songs that's that's our record and he was like i'm not putting it out there because you guys uh people are gonna think you guys aren't serious and they were like <laughs> they were like dude we love the white shadow we've got a sense of humor that's the record yeah and he was like you guys i'm not putting that fucking record out that way i'm cutting off that song and i'm putting the record out and they just were like they just went to war over it and so uh, Isaac had called me and said, hey, uh, we've got this record sitting at West Beach. Um, the reels are done. It's mixed and, and ready to go. Uh, do you want to put it out? And I hadn't even heard it. And I said, absolutely. And he goes, okay, great. I'm going to go get the reels, you know, fucking Wednesday next week and we'll meet up and I'll give them to you. And I was like, oh, awesome. Sounds good. And they called me Tuesday and said, oh, Big Frank went to the studio, got the reels. And went in and cut the song off of it and then turned it into the pressing plant. Wow. And so, and they were enemies for years over that. And so, uh, so that seven inch was supposed to come out on new age and Frank just did the layout with whatever stuff he had, like the Godfather cover and yeah. just put whatever photos he wanted on it. And that's why there's like, there's no personal sort of feeling to that record. It just, those songs are just appeared out of nowhere kind of. And um, so that's why in the 10 inch, it was finally like, oh, they got to release it the way they wanted to. And I work with them on the layout and included, you know, everything that they wanted included on it. Although that cover for that second record, that one that Nemesis brought is pretty iconic, like that whole uh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty sweet. It must be said. I mean, I think it is. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the first I ever saw that artwork uh, modified for, for hardcore. I think it's it's the first and it's definitely been copied a million times where I remember at the time I was just kind of like, really? Like, this is what you're doing with it? But then listening to it, I was like, okay, this kind of makes more sense. I, I can get behind this. I find Sorry. odd he was going to take issue with the white shadow thing, given the fact that they lifted the entire riff and pulled the plug by death for the first song on that album, that record. So, See, I mean, that's... he's going he's to he's take issue with the white shadow. <laughs> hey, death is serious. White shadow's not. <laughs> that's how it's what it comes down to i guess those 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 chorus boys seem like such joker jokers <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just not serious uh second quick story is it's funny you mentioned the photo of uh jeff consoling isaac with the hot <laughs> doing the <laughs> during the hot oil shoulder massage uh every 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 holiday or every so often i photoshop that into 
whatever uh, holiday is around. Like I, I did one where they're they're looking over Christmas presents, and then like I'll, I'll text I'll text it to them and go, "Hey, is it okay if I post this?" And they just respond with like laughter and like not really an answer. And then by the time we're done talking, I'm like, "I'm just an idiot. I'm not going to do that." But then like then like Thanksgiving uh, yeah. comes, Thanksgiving comes, and I'll put a turkey under it and. I'll send it to them and they'll laugh about it. And just you really, it. you really need to start posting these every year. <laughs> Amazing. I'll send them to you guys and you guys can post awesome. them along. <laughs> content. We got content. <laughs> All right, Mark, I think you're up. All right, Chris, you're going to hate Don't me. Do it. Don't do it. I'm stealing. I'm stealing your, I'm stealing your pick. You shouldn't have said anything. Motherfucker. Mm. <laughs> you have something else. <laughs> My pick is outspoken. The current seven inch. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) I just had it down here 12 times. (laughs) Why 12 times? That's the only one. (laughs) You jinxed it. (laughs) So, I mean, I remember buying the CD in Home of the Hits. I remember like loving it and hearing it. This was the first outspoken stuff I'd actually heard. Um, You know, Current's a great song. Innocent is way ahead of its time as far as a song like, you know, talking about, you know, talking about, you know, homosexuality and stuff. Way ahead of its time, like before anyone was talking about it. Like people didn't really touch that in hardcore, and that's freaking awesome. Um, Current's a great song, great strategy anthem, you know. You know, I see the Stone's inspiration, surrounding it uncontrolled, you know, great lyrics. Uh, it just, it just, and it sounds so good because I remember listening to A Light in the Dark and oh, being yeah. disappointed about how that sounded, you know, when it, the first way it came out and this sounds so much better than that. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what I got, you know, that's, it's, it's a great record. It's, it's a 20 minute. The 20 minute instrumental. Well, that was gonna say, like on the CD, you have those two kind of remix songs that were like yeah, yeah. songs with that additional stuff. Yeah, that yeah. It was awesome. I don't, I don't care about your, remix. it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, like, yeah, like that seven, like Mark said, that seven inch, it was, I don't think that, I don't think that outspoken that you guys could have recorded a better record if you tried or had a gun held to your head. Like, you were not gonna top that. Like, that was it. And like I listened to that thing every day for months when it came out. Yeah. Like it was amazing. Every I also, was upset, like, I also I, saw outspoken around that time. I saw him in New York with uh well, I saw you in New York with uh who was the show with Falling Forward, Shift. Endpoint, I think. Maybe. Endpoint at the Wetlands. It's a great show. I still have my spark t shirt my my spark t shirt from that show. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's one of the only mm-hmm. hardcore shirts I still have out. Like all my shirts like in a in a bin, but that's one of the one shirts I still like wear and have out. So Oh, that's rad. It's great, you know. Yeah, that was my number one pick too. <laughs> I was always gonna pick that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why yeah yeah it's all right that's a good that might, for sure i mean that might be the first new age record i ever bought too i think either that or unbroken but we won't talk about that but uh <laughs> do you have any cool stories mike uh yeah that was kind of um i mean that was the first serious band that i was in where uh i was contributing as a songwriter and i think that like you kind of find that like like that melding of minds and you know uh 
I guess, I guess we were musicians, uh, but <laughs> uh, like getting to a point where you're like, oh, we're kind of hitting like sort of uh, not a rhythm, but like we're, we've kind of got an ability that's working together, um, which, which is strange because uh, John, the singer and lyric writer was living in San Francisco when we were all in Southern California. So it created an odd dynamic. Like we were recording songs. We didn't really know how the vocals were going to go because they were so new and the, the lyrics and everything were so new. We hadn't even really heard the songs live to, uh, to really have anything to reflect on because uh, the show you mentioned, uh, the Wetlands show, mm -hmm. was the last outing we did to the East Coast. And we had those seven inches with us. And like those songs were so new, the seven inch hadn't even gotten out or hadn't even been, been out long enough to be on anyone's radar. So we got there, played those songs, and it was like, oh, if only this record had come out three months ago, you guys might know these songs. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of surprised once the lyrics and everything came in that, and the studio we were working at was a really good studio locally. And it just kind of was like, we didn't cut any corners. We really, you know, put the things together we needed to. Like with Light in the Dark, we had completely cut corners. We went to a shitty cheaper studio um, because one of the things I realized, especially looking back now is, oh, that's for me. Oh, I'll cut corners. Oh, it's for this other band. Let's do the biggest and best things we can do. And uh, which is, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what brings on that mentality, but it wasn't good, <laughs> especially in regards to uh, the A Light in the Dark record. Like we recorded at a really shitty studio and then mixed at a really great studio. And and one couldn't save the other. Uh, we actually mixed it at the studio owned by the bass player from Rat, uh, Juan Crouchier, or whatever his name is. <laughs> like we went to his house up in the hills and mixed this record. Wow. And on really big speakers, we were like, wow, it sounds really big and it's really loud. And then like, yeah, take it home. And it's a, it's a steamy turd. Um, <laughs> it's but, still, it's still like a good songs. record. Yeah, I mean, that record, Still good. <laughs> I love the I love the first song on that record. It, it's freaking awesome. You know. Yeah. Great song. Honestly, every song. Uh, I love every song on it. Like, I, I, light in the I, dark. Yeah, I, I will stand by that. Outspoken does not have a bad song. They don't yeah. have a bad record. I wow. will stand by that. The songs are great. Yeah, I mean the songs are all great. So. Yeah. I had not listened to Outspoken in easily 15 years, maybe closer to 20, because when I first heard them, a friend pushed them on me. I was like, I really like the music and these vocals just like don't work for me. And then really? in preparation, in preparation for this, <laughs> I revisited it and it turns out that I like Outspoken now. I learned this like two days ago. <laughs> I always liked them, I just didn't know it. <laughs> like, nice. News to me. Growing, growing. It was always, it was always in you. Yeah. It was a light in the dark. <laughs> and on that, Derek, you're up. All right, I'm gonna. Hmm, I'm stuck between two, but I'm gonna go for Unbroken, circa '77, the last nice. seven inch. Nice. Based mostly for the song "Absentee Debate," that the. You know, the long breakdown at the end that goes on entirely too long, but rules. Right. It's, yeah, great. it's great. It's great. It's great. And uh, 
I wouldn't have it done any other way. Um, that's only two songs. So, I mean, I don't have too much to say about it, but it's definitely has my favorite unbroken song and is my favorite unbroken stuff. So let me ask you a question about unbroken. Um, so uh, there's a certain guy me and Chris talked to who I uh, think <laughs> who apparently doesn't like unbroken because they change way too much between releases. Do you think, <laughs> do you think that uh, life love regret is that much different than circus 77? I do. Okay. I, yes. I think there's a big jump there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see it more. I don't mean to cut you off. But I see it more as an evolution. I think the jump was from ritual to life, love, regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, so, so like Circa and like that, I feel like is more of an evolution. Like that's where they were going. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'd agree. I like both records a lot, but I do prefer Cir- Circa 77. That that was on my list, actually, for one to pick. It fucking Ooh. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I hope you, know, gotcha. you got backups. <laughs> Garrett, the clown car's parked outside. Thank you. We won't talk about the other record, though, in case someone picks it, you know, because someone yeah, it, so yeah. right. we'll, we'll get there. I I'm, I much prefer Circa '77 to uh, Life Love Regret. I don't I don't ever like listen to Life Love Regret all that much. Oh and, man, uh, I feel like it's it's a a little too metal for my hardcore. Okay, that's all. All right, so I have to ask why that cover on that seven inch because I'm not gonna lie, that turned me off big time, and I yeah. almost didn't buy it because of that. I, I, I don't know. Um, they always, uh, I think the only real input I ever had is the ritual cover. They did, they actually, I'm sorry, uh, the You Won't Be Back seven inch cover and the ritual cover were both in a stew of, hey, we need an idea. We don't have anything. Those are two covers I both brought to them. Like, hey, do these things work? And especially for Ritual, that cover worked perfectly. Um, And so starting with Life, Love, Regret, that was like, we've got this stew of stuff for the insert, stuff for the covers, all that design is all of their ideas. And uh, the the Circa 77 or Crushed on You or whatever it's called, was totally like uh, the overall vibe I remember is like, hey, this is our last thing. Fuck it. Uh, this is what we want to do. And I I was like, hey, what about this version? No, no, no. <laughs> and like, I would try to like give an alternate version that kind of still included the same things, but was more of a, this is an unbroken record. Um, and like, they wanted that cover. And it was like, okay the music speaks for itself uh i you know i have faith in them and and uh and and also too i i'm trying to think if we knew it was the last thing to be recorded it might have it might have been uh spoken at that point that that was going to be their last thing um but yeah i I, it turned me off too like i just thought like for how great this record is that cover it's a piss take it's a total piss take and it's them saying we don't give a fuck you're either yeah. gonna buy an unbroken record or you're not yeah, yeah. i think i, think I like it i think i think it works yeah i think like, it works they you know i'm not saying that they were arrogant people but i'm sure that they were you know had enough in themselves or like fuck it man this is what we want to do it's winterland ballroom shot last record last show from that band it's a piss take and if people dig unbroken they're gonna buy the record period i totally 
I loved it. Loved it. Right. So aggressive. Yeah. Look, there's a fine line between hug, cuddling, and uh, holding somebody down so they can't get away. And I haven't really like managed that yet. So, <laughs> and, uh, on that note, Alex, you're up. <laughs> no, what? No, Chris, you're up. No, no Alex, no, you went. No, you you were next. I mean, if you guys want to argue, oh, I is just it me? Go. Oh, okay, <laughs> <Tomorrow>, Chris. <laughs> uh, so. I'm going with Unbroken Life, Love, Regret. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, certain people feel that that record opens certain doors of unappealing <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> Some people feel it's a little too slayer. Some people didn't like all the noise. All of that shit worked for me. Like, what they were talking about was a little more personal than a lot of bands were getting. Yeah, the packaging like that that cover is great the layout amazing the layout yeah the layout is next level for bands and a lot of people kind of you know some people tried to kind of copy that the whole was it that record or ritual where the dude like put his last name as morrissey and everyone freaked out oh i think it was that record <laughs> yeah like it just like you know talking about like piss takes and like you know fuck yous yeah <laughs> I, I i think my favorite thing about that record is the lyrics yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, honestly, the delivery, like just that record, like it's it's been, I think Alex once said that the Earth Crisis demo, Carl sounds like he's losing his mind or in the middle of a breakdown. This record is seriously like the the whole vibe is just like if this ends all right now, like you're never gonna forget this. Right. You know, like I love that record. And I thought for sure that was the direction you were gonna go. And it's kind of funny that you said it's too metal for your hardcore heart. <laughs> I, I mean dude d4 the way that opens like it may be, it may be straight up slayer I, worship but it's the best slayer worship ever yes. <laughs> but uh yeah okay well i mean i i realize it's important and i don't hate it because it's too metal i just i just don't prefer it you know that's all i, I get it it's not yeah you. yeah i mean as, it is for me still but like I no, haven't. No, I, no, it's not. It's not. It's taken. Over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris I'll digress. Like mixing uh, metal and hardcore too much. I like both, but I like kind of keeping them separate. But um, that's one of the bands that kind of was able to pull it off well. So I, I love that record too. Um, but yeah, it's Slayer all over the place. And they're the one band in the hardcore milieu that actually does Slayer and does it right. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. A hardcore fucking milieu, he says. Yeah, man. He's a wordsmith. He's a wordsmith. Don't fuck around with him. Was there, a, was there a different version of the layout after the first version of the layout? Or was it always the same? Uh, there was an update to the cover because uh, we had done like a duotone for the for the three pictures. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the way that that uh, material absorbed the ink was like, really I, I think we had had a pantone number like a uh, for the blue and it just bled together not like the color key didn't look the same as the uh the final product so we just went with that 100 percent blue and then made it look like it was supposed to look so that first pressing is the one that's really dark mm-hmm. um, so i have a question that may be crossing the rules a little bit but 
what were the circumstances of you letting go of like the unbroken stuff, the turning point record? Uh, I'm not sure what other ones there are, but like what what was what was what happened with that? What was the process? As there the person that, picking that next, why don't we why don't we uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and pick and then I answer your question? I know you're picking Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For my first pick, I get my first overall, even while going last. <laughs> Turning points LP. It's uh, my favorite record on the label. I think that every single era of Turning Point is a perfect iteration of that style of hardcore. And honestly, the LP might be my least favorite Turning Point stuff, but it's still like 10 out of 10. Um, one thing that I really appreciate about it is, to me, degree of difficulty uh, is, is a thing that is, uh, it, it gets some extra respect from me. Like, Gorilla Biscuits putting a harmonica part into Start Today and making it be cool. Turning Point incorporating slap bass. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous on paper. Absolutely elevates things. The record is fucking awesome. The cover is awesome. The, you know, the sequencing on the record, even it just carries so much momentum straight through. I couldn't think of a negative thing to say about it if I tried. This was my actual number one, but I, I knew you were going to speak highly on it and i wanted to fuck larry with his second pick so oh, wow. so i have a question when exactly was the slap bass era of hardcore that turning point was the best of the only the only the only i think that's the only uh hardcore record that it's acceptable on uh no there was something that came out on well acceptable yes but there was something that came out on nemet's name of that also had slap bass I mm. want to say like once and for all or something like that. I thought that was like a rap record. <laughs> uh, slap bass rap. There's a lot going on there. Are you thinking of Seinfeld? Hmm? <laughs> he said Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so let's get into the what you asked before, Chris. Okay, so now, Mike, if you could ask. Yeah. So uh, the Turning Point record uh, came out in late 90s, start of 91, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they, they didn't stick around too much longer after that, but uh, they were approached by Jade Tree to do a full discography. Um, and so they had asked me like, oh, hey, can we take the record and, and go do this thing? And I was kind of like, eh, like I was very reluctant, but that was the part of me that wasn't business and was like, oh, if I was a musician, I, I'd want to go do whatever I wanted with my record. So, you know, like, am I going to be a dick and tell them they can't go do this thing, even though we have a contract? Like, uh, you know, no, I was, you know, I, I reluctantly let them do that. And um, I mean, it was just a phone call to the bass player. He was like, really, you know, we really, really want to do this thing. And so, you know, I, I let it go, not realizing that, oh, I probably should have maybe made a different decision. But I, I don't know. I, I have cited many times on what the artist would want to do and wanted to do. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't regret that choice. Um, when it comes to uh, like the Unbroken records and, and the mouthpiece records and stuff, 
that kind of goes back to that time when we literally were out of business and bands still wanted to continue their legacies, you know, for, uh, for their own reasons. And so I was at a point of like, how can I argue and say, no, I don't have any of these. I'm not pressing them. I'm not paying you. And it's just sitting somewhere. You want to go continue doing these things and you have offers to do them. Who am I to say, no, we've got a deal. You know, uh, my part of the deal never said I'm always going to keep pressing your records or keeping them in press or whatever. But like they still wanted to either do reunions or do whatever that was, you know, the things that they wanted to do. And they wanted records out. They wanted to continue that legacy. So uh, I don't believe I turned down anyone who came and said, hey, this is what we want to do, you know, or this is what we're doing, you know, um, and going from there. So that was all of that turnover stuff happened at the end of the 90s. Did you, when you gave back the, the rights for Turning Point for the discography, did you just give that back to the band and they can do whatever they want with it moving forward? Or did Rev have to go through you for the upcoming reissue? No, Rev didn't ask me anything. Um, it was uh, it was literally Nick, the bass player, asking, hey, we want to do this. And I verbally said, okay. And then the thing just came out and then it, it lasted as long as it did and then it went away. So uh yeah rev didn't ask or tell me anything it's just surprise this is coming out i mean i would imagine that rev would have had to go through epitaph since epitaph bought the j tree back catalog yeah yeah i'm sure that's i'm sure that was all dealt with you know and after all these years you know do i start getting involved and like hey wait a minute i have a contract it's like (laughs) it's it's like you know, uh, all of that stuff is the release doing what it needs to do. And that's coming out on a label that the band is excited about. And hopefully the label's excited about and uh, everyone's happy. Cool. All right. All right. So we're starting round two. Larry, Larry is up. Oh, we're not. I'll, um, I'll keep you gotta add that point guard, man. Add that point guard. We're not. <laughs> we're not doing snake this time. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, we can. We can go Larry then Alex. Nah, oh, you, we can do whatever. You want. Do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We've done snake draft the last couple times. Do I feel like I'm getting boned slightly? Yeah, for sure. It's by, <laughs> it's, it's by design, Alex. It's by design. <laughs> well, we want Alex, you to dig deep. Dig deep. Alex, I'm here for you. I'll keep the word small and the sentences short so you understand this. This one might be a little bit of a wild left turn for some people, but I went with a uh, drug control stab DP. I heard, that, I heard that a couple years ago, and that scratches every itch as far as hardcore bands go. That It's fierce, and it's fast and short and it, and it has like the cover art that was drawn by a five-year-old that i fucking love <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a good record i mean you know for a lot of people they would hear that and they'd, they'd be like well i can't pick that out from any other fast band i'm like no there are actual songs there with legitimate hooks and it's it's a good record um that's really all i have to say about it it's just like and it's unlike to my ears it's unlike when I heard it the when I heard it the first time, it was so much unlike the stuff I recall 
on new age from when I first started listening to stuff coming off the label. And I was like, this is fucking cool. Not that I didn't like the other stuff, but this was more, this was more my lane. So I was like really excited about this one. So I, yeah, that drug control record's cool. I like it. That's nice. it. I didn't even know that was a new age. Uh, I had a friend that just sent me a link to listen to that like two days ago. I'm late to it. I only heard it two years ago in 2017. So, I mean, I was late to it myself, but I like it yeah. enough to like include it for sure. So. I, cool. What's I that feel like record that record's called? a sleeper. What's it called? Stabbed by Drug Control. Drug Control. Which that's, is a great name for a band too. It's just, it's, 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 so, that's, that's a decent artwork. <laughs> it's like early New York hardcore. Just you know, I'm I'm dusting when I'm drawing this, even though those guys aren't dusted because we'll just pretend that they were when they drew that. You know, yeah, like, we're gonna break edge just to do the cover art. <laughs> I fucking love it. Nice, nice. Where are they? Are, where, are they from DC? They're from San Diego. San Diego? Okay. Yeah. And they were a band too that was kind of at that relaunch of New Age in the 2015, 2016 era that was like a friend of mine that uh, I was really, uh, or still am close with. The guy who actually said, Oh my God, have you heard this band restraining order? And I'm like, No. And he's like, You got to put out a seven inch for him. Uh, same guy told me, like, Drug control. You haven't heard drug control yet? Oh my God. And he sent it to me and I was like, Sold on it. Um, but yeah, he was the one who introduced me to, to the drug control guys. They were from San Diego. Uh, they seemed to have a ton of momentum too. And I think just went through too many member changes and were kind of just running out of that gas it takes to teach a new guy songs and hope he sticks around long enough. And so, um, but they did a decent amount of, of shows out of town. Um, I know they'd gone up to Seattle and done shows in between uh, San Diego and there, so. That clear sight seven inch they did after that is is better produced, but I think it loses a lot of character with mm. the the cleaner, bigger production style. Mm. Like some of these bands, when you're playing that, you know, I, I don't think that good production and hardcore should be mutually exclusive. But it doesn't hurt when the production's a little bit on the shitty side. You know, when you're right. playing that fast, it, it adds something to it to me. You know, yeah, that's just my take. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Alex, you can go. <laughs> Says who? Yeah, me right here. <laughs> we'll this stick guy. to the plan. We'll stick to the plan. Uh, I believe that was it. Derek? Derek? No, I'm, I'm up. Oh, Mark's up. Yeah. Maybe I can miss the Vikings. This, if you know what that means. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm not gonna do I'm that. I'm gonna watch that draft with you. <laughs> 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 so my next pick is the mouthpiece base tomorrow. You're a piece of shit. Seven Mark. inch. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you should not have stuck with the plan. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have given up. You had, I, you had a choice. I, I arm. opened the door for you. <laughs> he had his arm twisted behind And I closed it. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Um, this is when mouthpiece, I mean, I like the. I like all the previous mouthpiece stuff. I think it's okay. This is when they got really good in my opinion. I remember buying this record and I bought it in the, 
at a show in Lockport, if any of you guys were there. Were you there, Chris? No. Derek, was, Alex. I, honestly, I was never a Mouthpiece fan. And the review of this record I gave in a fanzine was not positive. What did you say about it? Uh, I remember I remember when the record came out. And sorry, I know that Tim McMahon's not going to listen to this, but if you do, I'm sorry. Um, the, people were saying, oh, it sounds like Dag Nasty. And I said something to the effect of like, yeah, this sounds like Dag Nasty if they were sucking dick on the corner or something Ooh. to that effect. <laughs> Chris, you've changed. Ooh. Which is a review that you could write in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I think they got really good. I think this was the first thing that like Matt Weeder played on, and they got it, their sound kind of changed a little bit. It was more melodic and everything, and it was just it was just good. I mean, it's my favorite mouthpiece stuff. The other stuff, it's good, but this is special compared to that stuff. Um, I don't know mouthpiece where they were the you know they were the straight edge band back then. You know, they were they were the they were the fast hardcore trick then back in the, the early mid 90s and you know they were great i mean they they played around buffalo a lot and i was a fan and i you know yeah. that's, that's all i got i need i need to revisit it <laughs> it's, it's when when you say mouthpiece to me the song that pops into my head is cinder yeah a mile it's the catchiest stuff they ever did yeah and um yeah i just i think this is their best record by a lot Mm -hmm. uh, also i don't think i've ever seen the real cover of this record in person because i feel like they sold half of the tour covers in buffalo yeah, yeah. i yeah i only have the tour <laughs> i only have the tour cover one <laughs> i got both for some reason i have none I'm actually um, looking at this right now i don't think, I don't think i've ever seen the regular cover <laughs> until now i had the regular cover because i bought it at home in the heads oh yeah <laughs> Awesome. I, I think it's, I also think this is your best stuff. And that was on my list too. And um, it's also a record. I could play every riff on on my guitar and I suck at guitar. So that's cool too. <laughs> is it? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> Let's challenge you to do that, Derek. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to post some videos tonight. Patreon exclusive. <laughs> right. So we need, some, we need some some NCS content. We got to do this like in a story on like Instagram or something. Derek yeah. playing mouthpiece songs. <laughs> playing and singing. How about that? Ooh. I can't do that. I can't do that. And a jump. It, we need one jump. Oh, I could. I mean, I could play it like they did live. Shots <laughs> fired again. Yeah, well. I mean, I love the record. I'm not talking shit. I'm, they're just fun, alive band. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, mouthpiece, man. Mouthpiece. Anything interesting about that, Mike? <clears throat> um, that, I, I, that record, too, was, uh, I think, just along the progression line of, you know, after the LP, it just made sense that they refined their sound a little bit more. And it was like, more of what you would expect and then i think a, a couple levels deeper um but also too they were an absolutely great live band and they they traveled a decent amount and supported the records and stuff and i actually drove them uh on their last east coast tour with unbroken they did like six or seven or eight days i don't remember and it was just like a great time like life love regret was out that face tomorrow was out um the unbroken 
last seven inch may or may not have been out, but it was just like a really good time for everybody. Like it was just a great trip. I actually drove a van. This, this is how dumb, uh, this is not my brightest idea, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, I owned a van at the time. I drove the van to the East coast and then drove unbroken flew in, picked up mouthpiece and unbroken, drove them for the tour everybody went home and then I drove the van home <laughs> and I love road trips and it's probably, it probably the trip I'm sure didn't break even, but uh, like, it was just like, there's, there's memories I have from that tour and all the guys that are just priceless. Um, but it was, it was really great. And that last seven, which I think was really such like a way for uh you know, the, their progression and the way that ended. And I don't know if you guys ever saw that video we did for, uh, for the seven inch, we did a, a video, a music video that I shot and edited. Uh, yeah. the, I was, I remember there being a music video for one yeah. of the songs. And yeah. Like... That was, that was the first thing I was like, Hey guys, we're going to do this. And, uh, a friend of mine at the times, mom was a manager at some hotel and he was like, yeah, I, she said Saturday, you guys could go over there and just shoot and stuff. So we like set up the band playing inside of an elevator and it was just, yeah. it was so ridiculous. And, uh, but it's, it turned out well. And I look at it over time and I'm like, it still looks like fun and okay enough. Um, but that was just such a, such a great time around that record even. That's cool. So Derek. All right, I'm up. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward for me a little bit, and I'm gonna pick uh, the Redemption '87 self-titled record. I really fucked up, not just taking taking my stuff <laughs> when Chris gave me the door. <laughs> I this is probably like the new age record I'm listened to the second most. Um. It, it does a really good job at walking the line between punk and hardcore with a singer that sounds like Ray Capo. I just, it's the first time I heard it, I loved it. And I think the first time I heard it, uh, one of the songs was on like a new age sampler cassette that I bought through Thrasher. Um, and they had the song all these years on it. I'm like, this stuff is great. So I, I went and got the, this the full length and I, I there's not a skipper on the on the on the record so yeah i, I mean on on certain weeks it could be my number one new age record so mm-hmm. are you are you getting emotional no <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have my i don't have my water bottle so i'm like ah you're parched <laughs> yes <laughs> it can't be my favorite <laughs> oh my god did it sound like that no Joking. i was gonna say man i'm gonna i'm gonna edit that out and redo it <laughs> voice i love unbro- i love the redemption 87 it was my favorite new age record chris derek yeah. needs a sexy massage stat yeah he does he does i wish i was close enough <laughs> I, console I, him, whatever you want to call it. I'm cool. I dropped the case of Fresca. Come and give me a massage. <laughs> <laughs> I love Unit Pride and the Nerve Agents, but this is probably my favorite record that Eric sang on. Nice. Yeah. Probably mine too. 
another fantastic guy too i love like that was another reason uh i love that band so much as eric was just is such a great guy um and actually i'm doing a new pressing of that that is at uh the pressing plant right now as we speak breaking news breaking news breaking news uh 25th anniversary so nice um, but that is also an and it's it's interesting um I'm kind of fascinated by studios and time frames, but the same studio we did the last unbroken seven inch at and the outspoken current and the redemption 87 LP at, it was all the same studio. And I think where that studio helped the unbroken and outspoken recordings, I think redemption 87 was so much more of a punk band that recording in like a nice studio kind of probably took away a little of the edge they may have had as musicians. Uh, it might've softened some of the, the, you know, sharper corners on them, on those songs. Uh, so that's, that's something like I look at it's It's fairly polished for a band that was really that much of a punk band. And I would, I would say that's why that record never caught my attention. Hmm. Cause it like, it was too polished for what they were going for. Right. And I wouldn't change it at all. <laughs> I, got that record when I was like 14. It sounds exactly right to me. Yeah. yeah. Another cool thing about that record is the, the layout's super cool. Like the inserts got all that photo collage on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool looking. You can't go wrong with a good photo collage. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that Timmy Chunks was on second guitar was a huge thing for me as a token entry fan. Oh yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's it it was a and they were just such a good group of guys that just really wanted to play, you know, with no huge expectations of what they thought they could become or or anything. Right. Who's up? That'd be you, Chris. That's oh, you. that'd be me. So. I'm digging way, way back. And uh, my next pick is the Walk Proud Be Yourself 7 inch. Whoa. Wow. So, seriously, that was that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that was the first New Age record that I ever heard. A friend of mine had it and played it for me. And I was like, dude, this is just so freaking awesome. Like, I can't wait. This is amazing. I know there was like the two different pressings. There was like the the big hole and then the with the drawn picture and then the the lady, you know, with just the, the group of them and the walk proud. Um, I, you know, the songs are great. The record is great. I will dare say that that seven inches probably for a label that had more than 10 releases, probably the strongest debut seven inch of a label. Not necessarily saying it's better, but I'm just saying it's strongest. Like you kind of knew, like, okay, you should pay attention to what's happening here. Do you think that anybody involved with that record has any regrets about uh, naming it WP Intro? <laughs> so now, probably. Then, eh. but like I will say, like I um when I when I was out doing in sync stages and we were in it was two thousand one and we were in San Diego, and one of the electric guys, big Mexican dude, long hair, is off in the distance in the parking lot, and he like sees me and I don't know what shirt I was wearing, but he starts like playing Dead Kennedys in his car really loud, and I'm like. All right, that's cool. He's playing Dead Kennedys, but like a lot of like people listen to Dead Kennedys. And when that didn't get the appropriate response, 
he starts playing uniform choice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this guy. He's playing uniform choice. And I wish I could remember his name, but we ended up talking for 45 minutes about how awesome Walk Proud was. And like, he just, uh-huh. he, guy had seen Walk Proud like a million times and like, was just, he was just really into like, we were talking about how like, here he is, Mexican guy looking at these Mexican kids on stage, like this is where he belongs. Like it made sense to him. And it was just awesome to like randomly talk to somebody, you know, like 10, 12, 13 years after the fact about, I don't know what well, some people may consider a bit of an obscure bands. I like, I don't know. I love Wall Proud. That seven inch is great. Yeah, they were definitely a band that I think uh, at that time of late 80s hardcore, uh, having not been from Orange County, probably worked against them um, because they were from L.A. uh, And Orange County was very clicky and very white and very straight edge only. Um, So I think they started off. Well, I mean, they start like they were around playing 85, 86, you know, before. Uh, my ideas of record label and uh, being involved with them were a thing. Um, But uh, doing that seven inch, like they had actually recorded an LP that um, had, they had done, they had done the entire recording and hadn't realized that the chord that they used for the bass guitar had a short in it. So the entire recording, this thing is clicking like it's just, buzzing and when i turned it up i was like this sounds great and they're like no listen to the bass and you could hear this like popping back and forth i'm like no let's use this recording and we'll just put out an lp or we'll do a seven inch with this stuff they're like no 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 we've got to we've got to re-record this thing and uh so we ended up doing the seven inch but i thought it was great they were such a great energetic live band and very very genuine people and just loved punk and loved hardcore and they had been playing you know venues like fender's ballroom and they had done like every sort of uh hardcore thing at that point where i was like they're doing all the things that i'm interested they're playing the clubs that i go to um it just was a very very easy decision to start the label with them yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're one of the first bands that I saw use graffiti for their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and how did, how did, so why didn't you put out the Rip record that came out on Nemesis? Um, there was a lot of, uh, around that time of late 80s in the 9091, where Nemesis kind of came out of nowhere and everyone knew they could get big shows if they did records with Frank. Mm. So it was, I wouldn't want to say it's a monopoly, but it was a huge selling point as it, in, as it is with any label that has any connections that, oh, if we do this, chances are that leads to this other thing. And which is another reason why New Age didn't end up putting out the Against the Wall 7-inch, which had been decided on, advertised, and recorded yeah, and that as. that should have been on New Age. Yeah. Would have been right and like, so after we recorded the against the wall seven inch uh mike madrid the vocalist said oh i talked to frank and he said if we put it on nemesis he'll get us some shows and i was like yeah maybe the next record but not this one this is 
I've already advertised this thing as we're putting it out. And, and he, it was his band, you know, I had joined on guitar and I wasn't an original member, but everyone else in the band just kind of wanted the record out. They didn't really care about any specifics to it. And so it just kind of became an argument I didn't want to argue anymore about. So it came out on Nemesis with that artwork that nobody ever saw before. Um, and just the, I had actually quit the band by the time the seven inch even came out. So, uh, I know Nemesis was able to scoop up a lot of bands because, uh, Frank was booking the biggest shows. He was booking at the country club and, and bigger venues like that. That was like, you know, sick of it all's first time on the West coast and, and killing time coming to town and just lots of big shows that were happening, um, and so it was just like both those releases uh, were like the Walk Proud Rip LP. I wasn't even aware of until it came out. Like I didn't even know they were back in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, but so and subsequent uh, conversations on trying uh, to re-release the Against the Wall 7 and John New Age has just been arguments from from 32 years ago that are just like it's just not worth arguing about anymore that's why i put those songs up free on Bandcamp a while ago just like here because i'd gone into the studio and taken uh what was it uh actually i took the vi like a vinyl pressing into the studio and had paul minor take it into the computer you know equalize it get rid of any of the needle noise and uh you know boost it up a lot so uh, I, I had a i had a master copy of that record that was set for re-release in 2014 or something maybe and just oh hey i talked to this guy and he's gonna release a full discography and then that idea goes and i think that's been Oh, it's even older than that. I think it's been like nine or 10 years since there was discussion of some against the wall discography that never materialized. Yeah. Discography. It's like one record and a demo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Supposedly, because I know the guy that was going to do the discography, supposedly there's all these other recorded songs that never came out that would have come out on the discography. No, there's, there's two demos and demo one is the very original demo demo two is the same exact recording with different vocals so there's five songs with different vocals as a second demo um but i mean even the five songs plus the four on the seven inch that's nine and uh there were two versions of it's time one on the seven inch and then one on the generation of hope comp um that had an against the wall song on it uh but i mean it's the same song just a different recording um so yeah is is 10 songs if you stretch it a discography i don't know I, I guess it is but i mean does it need to be on an lp i don't know sounds like a 10 inch to me <laughs> <laughs> all right who's up alex that's me <laughs> just can't wait to see what you got <laughs> Well, we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. I'm uh, picking the restraining order seven inch. I think uh, this record just fucking goes cover to cover. It is, it's just like straightforward, straightforward hardcore, no frills, and it's just it's fucking awesome. On top of that, not relevant to the quality of the record, but Keith Freeman is one of my favorite human beings currently alive. But uh, yes. yeah, cool layout great songs i think i think they're like you catch them on the right day they are one of the best live bands in hardcore in my opinion i've heard some differing opinions on that subject but uh 
you know, I, I think that uh, I think they're really good. And they are really good live. I agree with you. The one time I saw them, that singer is nuts. Yeah, I love him. He's great. I'll see him in in October. But you haven't seen them? No, I haven't. It played at a uh, Grindhouse, right? Yeah, Grindhouse. What it played? They played at the Firm, I think, as well. I might have seen them there too. Who they play with at the Firm? I'm not a hundred percent sure. All yeah. those shows kind of blend together for me. Yeah, uh, the the Firm shows. The Firm, Mike, is just uh, this kid named Greg. Real nice kid who's uh, he's in a couple bands that uh, that play in Buffalo mostly, but uh, his parents are lawyers. They have a law firm and they have a conference room upstairs at their law firm uh, in downtown Buffalo in front of gigantic plate glass windows. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a weird setup when you consider all the details, you know, uh, but it's, it's cool. It's fun. It's like, it's a nice reliable spot that um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it works weird it's fucking weird but it works yeah. yeah two parents as lawyers i don't think anyone's gonna give them any hassle <laughs> oh we got a letter from the city yeah we'll fix that <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't seem too different than a bfw hall to me yeah you know except for as those big windows that's all it's, it's like club z in rochester <clears throat> remember that club z in rochester do you remember that at all chris no i uh, uh, Chester, fuck that place there was it was a, it was this like upstairs like loft area where there was a big glass window in the back. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, now. yeah. All right, who's up? That's the end of round two. But wait, are we? Wait, did Larry do a second? Oh yeah, yeah. drug control. Yeah, yeah. But are we still going? Yeah, let's do we're... round three. We got okay. some time. All right. I don't. I don't have to go to bed yet. Does All everyone right. have time? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I can, Larry? I can go. I can go one more. You guys can go um, ahead and just pick every single fucking thing I like. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was feeling pretty bad for Alex there. I was kind of in the same boat because the two unbroken records I had were taken. And I started commiserating with Alex a little bit till he took that fucking restraining order set up. <laughs> I absolutely love. You, everything, there's nothing. Alex said it all. It's a fucking amazing record. Um, this record, I actually only heard a couple days ago. Chris has been pushing this on me for a couple months now but i haven't gotten around to listening to it until you know uh that amendment 18 oh my god ah, and you took one of mine <laughs> it's really really good I, I thank you chris for you know i've known chris for a really long time and he knows my taste and i really like that record um i haven't lived with it long enough to speak at length about it um which is why it wasn't closer to the top but i really i'm really enjoying it quite a bit it's a really good record um yeah, I mean, so, that's, that's pretty much all I'd say about it. I, I so like it I'll say Mark actually <clears throat> turned me on to that record like 20 years ago. Did I? Yeah, because you were like, hey, do you know about this like new straight edge band with Mike Hartsfield and Isaac Gola of Amendment 18? And I was yeah. like, no. So I went out and bought it. And Wait, I will you're say, in the, that band? yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like like i said i only i've only listened to it like a a couple days ago chris has been trying to push it on me for like months because he knows what i'm into and i had no idea who was in the band i'm just like oh this is a good record you know i'm a dick (laughs) 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 sorry man i like your what a dick (laughs) but uh well as you say like the one of the things that struck me besides like 
that it, it likes fast songs, greatly done. But the, for the time, the lyrical content was more mature, like talking about like adult issues, not the standard, hey, we're a straight edge band, let's talk about the scene and friendship and being mad about this or mad about that. It was like, like adult issues, like the whole thing about getting along with your ex for the sake of the kids. And like, it was like, it was another level that I think really a lot of people either missed on or they just couldn't relate to that at all because it's like, uh, how do I finger point to this? You know, like such a good record. Like, and it's really what I needed at that time because I know there was bands like, I was disappointed with some of the content that Agnostic Front was putting out because they were still in my feeling pandering to like 17 year olds when these guys are like in their thirties or forties at that point. You know, like about real shit. This, it's weird. <laughs> no, we're talking. This is like, uh, like something's uh, whatever. Um, but you know, like a lot of bands that we had, like people who had been around for a while, weren't really singing about real world issues or, or like real world interpersonal issues, like that record does. You know, like that record was everything I needed in that moment. Well, Chris, you you can finger point your ex all you want. You know, yeah, I mean, I'll finger or, point to anything. Yeah, <laughs> finger pointing to laying tile flooring today, like I'll do anything. <laughs> LOL, LOL. That's LOL. A, it, it is a good uh, LP. I actually like all three of the Amendment eighteen LPs, especially the last one, though. That but would be my not, favorite as well. That's not a new age, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it was number one on the victory uh, episode the other day, right? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, totally. Do you, have any idea? Do you have any idea how many records victory put out? Oh, if I was to guess, I'd say 350. Over I four. think the number I saw was 462. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely batshit crazy. That's wild. That apparently, is wild. apparently, there's going to be a victory podcast, much like the Where It Went podcast. I don't know who's doing it, but it's like you're going to have a lot of trudging to get through some of that shit. Yeah, they're not going to. They can't do it. It'll stop somewhere because that is. They can't. <laughs> it's nine cold. years. It's nine years. Yeah. <laughs> it's one a week. It's nine years. <laughs> I think I they, they might die of old age. Yeah. Quick. I mean, the, the podcast may stop at inner at inner strength because, like, there's no way anyone likes that record. <laughs> <laughs> so, right after Amendment 18 came out, I like, I mean, you'd see Amendment 18, obviously, often abbreviated even before it was on the records as just A18, right? My one of my best friends, her grandfather was, uh, he was in a tank, a tank battalion in World War II in the European <laughs> Front, and. Um, I was over at her house and I saw a picture of her grandpa posing in front of his tank uh, in like in Europe somewhere in 1944. And the call number on his tank was a 18. Oh shit. And uh, it's like the coolest fucking picture in the world. I actually took a picture of it on my, on my shitty, uh, my shitty cell phone camera. And I like, I, I showed it to Isaac and he was just uh-huh. like, you got to get me a better version of that. I want to use that for a record cover. And I lost really? his contact info. 
shit. <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell him we spoke, and I'm going to say, he says he's got the picture. Now we have to write a record somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. We promised like, yeah. him. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for a new A18 record. <laughs> yeah, that record came out at a time when Orange County did not care about uh, what we were doing. Uh, not even the slightest. Uh, metal and makeup had become like painted fingernails and, and hairdos and stuff was uh, yes. all the rave. So uh, <laughs> we actually did better everywhere but in our hometown. The bright is side of that, though, is that you got a knife fight as, as pushback to that shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> knife fight. Like that band basically existed. Oh. It oh, existed okay. for like specifically and explicitly as pushback to that shit in the Southern California hardcore scene. Uh, like, interesting. They they have a song that goes, "Why are you even here? Because we don't want you around. Take your white belt and get the fuck out." <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I support this. All right, am I up? Sure, you're up. I'm gonna pick the strife. My fire burns on seven inch. Wow, because... man. <laughs> furious scribbling because <laughs> strikes a great band as you know i i think so and i want to hear i want to hear a couple of strike stories from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to hear <laughs> uh, what do you got <laughs> uh Gosh, uh, I mean, that was a really good time for my reflect or my time, I guess, in the band um, doing the seven inch playing on the seven inch. Uh, the big blue cover was a printer mistake. If anyone's seen the first pressing, uh, it is just blue and just black, which was uh, it was one of those things like, oh, I explained to the printer what we wanted and they did the film. And that's what we ended, we ended up with what you can you've either seen or can google it's just a big blue cover um that's why uh we did a, a future pressing of that and I, I think it's like the b-side label or something is a copy is a photo of that cover on fire because it was kind of a joke yeah. that we hated it so much but yeah. um strife was great at that time it was just really about being super straight edge and uh you know being uh being goofy and stuff um that was a band i joined on second guitar also that they already had kind of a dynamic that that worked for them and uh at that time great guys uh pretty good experiences for the most part um i'm not sure i've got any uh any interesting stories except the fact that i had to lie about my age when we would practice because i'm a generation or seven older than everyone uh but they used they used to practice uh this is uh, this might be interesting they used to practice at uh, the thousand oaks teen center so when they were all obviously teenagers and and the, the rule was to use this multi-purpose room that they practiced in uh, you had to be a teenager and I was in my 20s at the time like oh yeah no 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 he goes to school with us and blah 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 and we just <laughs> would would tell them that I was of the proper age to be use, utilizing this uh, this rehearsal room but we would literally go into this room in this teen center that had a basketball court and like a dance floor and whatever with full stack amps like because we needed those for practice <laughs> right. and you know there was a lot of stuff that was done just because it was fun or funny and we were amused by it um but on a on a different note 
uh, when my daughter was in her teens, I would take her to dances at that place. And I just driving up to it, I was like, oh, <laughs> I used to practice here with Strife. <laughs> and, and, and Strife is the band that most of her friends find out about. Like your dad was in Strife. And I just wonder how my daughter's running into hardcore people at being 21, just like, who do you talk to? Like, you know, and hanging, hanging out with her friends that I've never met before that like, do you have any turning point records left? Like, like no, <laughs> like, I don't. but funny. it's, it's great because I really love fresh energy and eyes and minds, uh, you know, in the hardcore world that are just really open and ready for everything. Yes. Cool. 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 Derek, you're up. Uh, okay. Hmm. Let's go. Uh, the lifetime self-titled seven inch. Um, it's probably my favorite lifetime record. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. That's like my, my might be my least favorite lifetime record. Well, Absolutely, my least favorite lifetime. My <laughs> least my least favorite one is the other one on New Age. Sorry, Mike, but uh... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, have a, I have a funny story about background music. Sorry ahead of time, Mike. God, background. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I I think it's I think it's a good record, and it's like different. At that time, it was different than most of the stuff I was listening to. So it was, it's kind of an oddball in my collection. And it, it, maybe that's why I like it so much. Because I hadn't heard background to way later for some reason. But yeah, more autobiographical reason why I like it. I, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's just like my least favorite lifetime, I think. But that's just me. Jersey's Best Dancers and Hello Bastards. And then I went from there to the early stuff and i was like this this isn't the same band what yeah it's like two about? different bands totally oh yeah it's way different so i, I, I like that was... stuff too but um i don't know i think it's like you said it's probably just you know um i heard it at a time it's more nostalgic you know that's why i like it so much i might get emotional now so it's lifetime <laughs> you're supposed to it's so like OG, my story is og emo Right, my story real quick, and then Mike, you can wax poetic about it. When I was selling some of my records in the 90s, I had the Lifetime background record, and I didn't like it right from jump. It wasn't my thing. It wasn't for me. And, and I sold, like, in the car on the way to the show, I sold Mark, my turning point record. And I was just like, nobody's going to want to buy this. So while no reason a Buffalo band was playing, I threw it into the pit. <laughs> Jeremy who played in No Reason Jeremy Smith who now sings for tuning stopped playing and ran onto the dance floor to grab the records like I've been looking for this for so long oh my god <laughs> amazing yeah that's something that's awesome <laughs> so yeah. lifetime stories what you got I got uh, I got two quick ones um there was a time uh, when I went on a road trip with my mom back east because she has family. I guess we have family. And um, it was 1990. I went to a show in New Jersey or DC. I can't remember. 
but Lifetime, Mouthpiece, and Resurrection all played. And that was the show and up front. And I had gone because I knew the upfront guys. And that's <gasps> where the con like that's when conversations uh that was the show where the conversation started with Lifetime Resurrection and Mouthpiece. Um which all came to fruition uh, later on. Um, but there was a time when I had ordered from the pressing plant 500 lifetime seven inches. And uh, I had had a deal or I had an agreement with the band is they never wanted uh, either the seven inch or the LP ever pressed on color. They were like, just, we don't want to ever see this record for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever on the store, uh, on the, on a shell on the wall of some record store is they just always wanted the records to just be about music and not to be some collector's piece. And I always, I honored that and that was what they wanted to do. And so I had ordered 500 copies of the seven inch and, um, and the plant called me and said, Oh, Hey, they're done. And sorry, it took so long. We did them on color uh, as, as a you know, courtesy since it took us so long. Oh man. And I said, <laughs> I said, you did the seven inches on color. And they said, yeah, we did them on clear. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. But the band said they never, ever wanted the record pressed on color. And I had to explain this whole theory to them. And they're shaking their heads over the phone. I could, I could sense it. And uh, I said, so I can't, I can't even use them. And they, I just said, punch the centers out, grind them up and make me oh, some black man. records. Wow. And uh, so I should have gone there and got five of them and stuck them in a cupboard somewhere, but they ground them up and recycled the plastic and made 500 black ones for me. Oh man. <laughs> so does, does anyone in lifetime know the story? Uh, I, I think I told them about it okay. because That's... because they were probably expecting some records and i was like there's going to be a delay and guess why and so uh <laughs> guess why because you don't want colored yeah. vinyl so your record's delayed <laughs> i mean it was a was a thousand records you said it was 500 oh only five never mind yeah. i was gonna say if it was a thousand you should just <laughs> ran with it <laughs> yeah <sighs> chris you're not you're up uh, did everybody go? Because I'm fine with going last. All right, Alex, your turn. Go. Well, I will take the grip. You're taking self grip. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the self-titled mouthpiece seven inch. Okay. Uh, Face tomorrow is my favorite mouthpiece, but I also really like uh, the self-titled. It was the first mouthpiece that I heard, and. Um, yeah, it's just like it doesn't get a lot more anthemic than like can we win? And you know, again, one of the things that I really like about New Age categorically is that the layouts are consistently really fucking cool. Um, that the aesthetic of that record is what grabbed me immediately when I was you know 15 years old and, and grabbed a copy of it, um, and then you know, a, a little bit later when I, it was still very formative for me when I was 17, 18 years old, they did that run of uh, 2000 reunion shows uh, and seeing them play those songs, just like, you know, like a bolt of lightning hitting the tip of your penis. It was just like, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the history, obviously, with Mouthpiece being one of the only bands keeping a more traditional hardcore sound, hardcore sound going during the time period when when they came around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can't go wrong with with uh, the first Mouthpiece seven inch. Good record, I would agree. So my my little funny story is uh, way back in '93. I bought the I bought the record when it came out. I was kind of like whatever about it, um, but I was hanging out with my girlfriend at the time trying to do what to do with girlfriends at the time and jay galvin is hanging out and decides to play dj with my records and and the one that i specifically remember him putting on was that mouthpiece seven inch and i'm just thinking like will you get the fuck out of here like go the fuck away (laughs) i'm trying to do other things and you're making me listen to this record (laughs) (laughs) to borrow a phrase from Dave Chappelle this record's making my penis soft (laughs) (laughs) yes yes it did (laughs) you wouldn't say that if it was chorus (laughs) no (laughs) that is all ugly stick all day long like strong like (laughs) oh man Chris, you're, you're the finale here. Uh, you don't have any mouthpiece that seven inch story? Like why uh, the back of the seven inch was different in later pressings? Uh, no, I think it was just, uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think it was just an update. Oh, I think we had, I don't, I don't remember a specific reason just besides updating it and making it, uh, making it fresh at the point at the time. So I, you know, I really, really wanted to be like, bring it back Buffalo and say that the Slugfest is like my number four favorite, but I haven't even heard it yet. So I can't pose like that. Number three, Chris, number three. Number three, whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I'm going to go with Outspoken, A Light in the Dark. Even though the production was not the best, those songs were strong enough to carry through that production. Yeah. Uh, the record, I mean, the record is so good. Like, there's no skippers on that record, as Derek would say. No, no skippers. skippers. No skippers. <laughs> uh, no skippers. Solid. Yeah, and like, and like I said, like Outspoken does not have a bad song, even the like. There, there's no bad Outspoken songs. Like, there just isn't. Not to like gas you up. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's, there's no bad Outspoken songs, and every song, every song is like better than the one before it. You know, like just from the beginning to the end, like it's. How, Chris, how do you feel about Spotlight? The 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 Are that's the collection on CD yeah. of everything. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Like I listen, I probably listen to that more than the individuals because it's right there in one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like in one collection. Uh, I'm sure you have a million outspoken stories or anybody else has anything to say about a light in the dark or just outspoken in general yeah uh, light in the dark there's one song I really love on that record and it's uh, the, this human machine mm-hmm. I just think yeah, I just think it's a, a really good driving song um, and I don't know that one always stuck out to me as my favorite on that record Oh really? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite lyrics is like the whole like, why is it so seductive to lead a life of self destruction? Such a great lyric. Such that a great is. lyric. Yeah. Wait. Such a great lyric. Poet. The man's a damn poet. <laughs> <laughs> the co- I saw the cover of that record in a Time Life book that I had gotten like a long like, like I was I had this Time Life book. I'm like, this is the cover of the house book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's the that's the same book series. You'll see the ritual cover. Oh yeah, the, you will be back cover. Yeah, oh, we, nice. I got two of those from somewhere, and I'm like, look at all this content we have to choose from. Look at this. And we never got sued somehow. Never awesome. even got a letter. Oh, that's nice. awesome. That's so cool. I got to find one of those books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's great photos in there. You'd have record covers for days. Nice. So, yeah, that- so like, Mike, do you want to give us your favorite uh, record that you put out? Is this something you want to do? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. The okay. uh, record to this day I listen to most often is not one that you guys mentioned. Um, It goes to, and, and that's the thing I'm thankful for is that the label was, has never been a, Oh, I'll put this out because this will make money or this is what the scene is doing now. But I actually do. I mean, I don't listen to everything still. There are a few things I definitely do still listen to. And the thing I listen to most is uh, a band called Countdown to Life. And that was during the CD years. And uh, it's a record called Govern Yourself Accordingly. And that was because uh, Countdown to Life had been a, was a band that A18 toured a lot with on the West Coast. And they, were, they reminded me a lot of early bands on the label like Walk Proud and other bands that I, I knew that were just going like we want to play we want to go like they would just play and tour and play and travel and they weren't really trying to do anything specific just doing what they were doing and uh the record they recorded the record here in orange county um with paul minor uh part of it was recorded at my apartment i lived in at the time so there's a little connection there um and uh he just recorded parts of it on his laptop and then it was recorded in orange uh the rest of it and it's just a fantastic record like the guitar tones are just it it's weird it was the band that i was traveling around and playing a lot with but like if they would have said hey we needed a second guitar player i would have you know done anything to be in that band and if i could look back at a band and join it that would be the one band that's like literally my favorite band of the entire run of new age records i my old band played with them a few times and i remember seeing them in georgia we were playing to each other and and to no one else Mm -hmm. um and uh the drummer had set up this light pedal so when you hit the bass drum, it would also like make these lights go off too. Yeah. Was, uh, they're very cool to see live. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're also really nice dudes, dudes as well. So yeah, they went on to form a band called Broadway Calls that still yeah. plays and still travels and stuff. It's three of the four members just with uh, with the other no singer. I mean, the singer is not in the band um, from countdown to life but it's definitely a record if you haven't heard it to check out cool 
So uh, was there anything on anyone's list that they didn't get to or get stolen from them? I had plenty stolen. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a, I mean, I had a lot of things on my list that I, that, uh, you know, that I, I listened to, you know. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about outspoken survival. Um, a few other weird ones. I like kill holiday monitor dependency. So are you uh, saying survival's weird? No, I said the kill holiday, <laughs> kill holiday one. Uh, no, it was weird that we didn't talk about it because mm. it was that could have been my number three. That and the upfront daybreak as well. Um, but yeah, there's other ones too. Collateral damage. Let me be broken. That's a good record. Yeah. This. I felt like words to live by, words to die for was kind of a cop out. It's just it's this low hanging fruit. It's extra turning point and mouthpiece and you know outspoken and some some other like it, it felt it felt like a cheat code so i i just didn't play it that's, that's but, usually <laughs> why yeah it's usually why like say i say no comps on these but i've, I've gotten soft on that one and, and i've become <laughs> flexible you gave larry the uh the courtesy of allowing a reissue uh, you know he's a guest and you you make certain uh considerations for guests yeah, they go first, they get reissues. <laughs> <laughs> he would get some water if he was here. <laughs> I stopped by and rubbed his back. Yeah. Nice. Nice. The unbroken so, yeah. record. The unbroken records got stolen from me for sure. Those were pretty high up on my list. Um Upfront Daybreak was probably another one. Um Partial. It's not my favorite upfront record, but I'll, I'm I'm partial to that because I'm friends with Jeff, so and I've spent a lot of time with him. So uh, that made that made my list a turning point. Um, but yeah, most significantly, the two upfront or not upfront uh, unbroken records got taken. So here's a quick upfront story. I don't remember what record it is that has the the lawn gnome on the um. You know what I'm talking about? Was that, yeah, was that the a B-side label? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was... Or the some... fire or something? Or... <clears throat> I think it might be that one. So they stole a neighbor's lawn gnome and took it on tour with them. And they took pictures of the lawn gnome all over the country. And then they put the lawn gnome back in the neighbor's yard with the pictures with like I don't remember what the one, what name they put, but like, you know, like Marky's summer vacation or something like that. And it became so big. It made it onto like a, a current affair type show. <laughs> they had like a 10, like a five, 10 minute segment of these people talking about, yeah, we don't know one day the lawn, like, you know, whatever the lawn gnome's name was, was gone. And then <laughs> two months later, it's back with all these pictures where I'm all over the country. I had oh, no clue wow. that like whatever whatever neighbor that was in up front like took the lawn gnome and did that. And it's like I feel like that's a story that's been lost to the annals of time, but it's such a great like hardcore story that doesn't involve some level of violence or anything, you know, like yeah. It's a positive yeah. hardcore story. But it still involves crime, but it, it worked out well. <laughs> it's pure mischief. Pure yeah. mischief. My question for you, just something yeah. I just thought of. Are you currently under a loft bed? 
No, uh, that is a, uh, those are all screen printing screens. So this is like a shelf I built to get all the screens up and out of the way. I'm gonna adjust there for you. Uh-huh. So now a, would be the time to make outspoken shirt requests. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go grab the screen. We'll print them live. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, I want a drug control shirt, man. I want that cover. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right there, I think. <laughs> All right, uh, Mark. Cool. What did you have that didn't get taken from you? Uh what I have didn't get taken. Well, I got my choices. I think the only like other thing I would have probably picked is like um, I don't know the Resurrection LP. That would have been one of mine. Yeah, I like I like that. You know, on the strength of culture, like I just it's a great song. Like it just they're just it's great. Like there's another one of those records that sounded kind of like bad but the songs are good so but it works so well definitely it's kind of the point yeah Yeah. i was at the last resurrection show in jersey all the best hardcore bands don't know how to spell their own names descendants (laughs) or resurrections supposedly that was done intentionally supposedly it was it was yeah yeah it was i think they were trying to avoid a lawsuit from another band using the name ah uh-huh. Inside right. It's on my list that hasn't been mentioned is abuse of power. I oh, honestly yeah. thought you were going to. I was surprised that you didn't you didn't throw abuse of power out there. I don't have a ton to say about abuse of power. I just think it's a cool fucking record. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that band when I saw them reminded me of new age records. I was like, man, this is like new age record stuff. Yeah. So yeah. That's uh that would have been a, that could have been a pick of mine too, I guess. Some oversights, you know. I always, I had a few oversights. Yeah, yeah. a lot of years there. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. go to seven I, rounds. Come on, stop. Yeah. It's it's, bed, it's bedtime soon. Part two. Oh, Let's do it, it again bedtime. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, resurrection was on my list. Mark stole my fucking current. Ah. Uh, but like, if I really needed to, I was gonna pull out pressure release. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. That yeah, was definitely think... that was definitely a record. Uh, after hearing X marks the spot and going, "Wow, you guys want to do a seven inch?" and them going, "Yeah," and then sending me the prison of my own seven inch, I was scratching my head quite a bit, going, "What happened? Like, where's?" <laughs> Where's this youth crewy band that used to play the anthrax, you know, like, mm. oh, you guys have changed. And Ooh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I ordered, I ordered a couple shirts from Smorgasbord and they sent me they sent me oh. this X marks the spot enamel pin as a little yes. bonus. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic comp. Fantastic comp. Yeah. Well, that was a kind of kind of a bummer when you heard that one, huh? It or was, was just shocking. not what you expected. Yeah. Yeah, it was shock. And then the way the scene was changing, I heard from so many people like, that's fucking cool. Like, because it was different and it was East Coast. And they kind of made that change to being, uh, you know, not such a youth crewy band, getting a little more instrumental with writing. And uh, yeah, lots of people immediately liked it, but lots of people expected what I expected. Right. Mike, do you have any uh, memories of playing in Buffalo at all? Yes, if I'm not mistaken, Outspoken played a place called the 
crazy something saloon, the crazy train saloon, the crazy, am I remotely close? Uh, I was fucking played the icon, right? Yeah, I was wondering played the icon, but they also played like the year before. They played some small place that had a weird name, and I don't remember Not the name. Pierce Arrow. No, I I had to work, so I didn't go, and I was super bummed. Mm-hmm. But I think it was in the same stretch of time, roughly when you guys played that Syracuse Edge Fest. Is that what you're thinking of? Or are you thinking of the last East Coast tour? What was the name of the venue you just mentioned that you thought we played? The Icon. Icon. You definitely Pier- played Pierce Arrow. The Icon. I don't remember that. Yeah, you played with Chokehold. Uh, was it a really small place? No, that's the other one that we can't remember the name of. It was a really small place. Not Pierce Arrow. I don't think so. I thought it had Cafe in the name or something, but I'm not sure. Huh. I don't remember the the icon that I it seems like I would totally remember that because we only made three trips to the East Coast so, uh, gosh. I think it was that same tour, the same tour I saw at the Wetlands. I think you guys played the icon. I think, but I'm not 100 percent sure. The the flyer for that um outspoken show that he's talking about is in the All Ages book, but I can't I can't picture Hmm. the name of the venue. Hmm. I, I know you played with subject to changes though. That's all. It's in the old ages book, which I have, which, which have I happen to have right here. <laughs> I just, I just found the flyer outspoken chokehold moment of truth at the icon in Buffalo. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was the last time you played Buffalo, but there was a time before, and there may have been a time like uh, 89 or 90 that you played too. Cause that's when I first heard about outspoken. Like I didn't go to the show cause I had to work or whatever, but I remember the name being like, that's such a great name for a band. Outspoken didn't go to the East Coast till 92. Which is weird because it's definitely your guys' logo from when, from like 89 or 90, whenever it was. It was hmm. definitely your the arch logo from the first seven inch. Really? And Matt Dunmire, who Matt Dunmire sold me the tour edition of the seven inch. Cause he had a bunch of them that he got okay. from you guys or okay. something. I know exactly what you're talking about. In 1990, uh, we did the, uh, the first demo and we did the survival seven inch and we had booked a tour that was supposed to go through Buffalo and I think Cleveland and a few other towns and that tour canceled and we had the tour pressing records already done. So uh, there's been, this these records that have gone around for years there's 500 with a paper sleeve that are all numbered and all number 95 percent of them are number one number zero zero one because at that time everything was being numbered and we thought oh this numbering stuff is so lame so we're gonna number them goofy uh so yeah the tour pressing came out without a tour so uh, that show didn't happen because we didn't go on the tour, but there are flyers from when we were supposed to be out there. And that was 1990. Crazy yeah. Train Cafe was the place. That's the show so, I remember. Outspoken Fadeaway. Right. Outspoken Fadeaway, subject to change. Okay. Grant and Letchworth. For a club. Yeah, it was like the, I think it was the only show that ever happened there. 
Interesting. Yeah, and I think whatever show was supposed to happen canceled and it got moved there. But uh, <coughs> that definitely wasn't the Icon show canceled and moved to that place. We definitely no, Icon definitely played the Icon. Wow. Okay. The Icon was like more of a legitimate club. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, like you would walk in, walk oh really walk past the bar and then the stage was in the back interesting okay wow if anyone has if anyone has photos of that i'd love to see it because i am a mental blank on that (laughs) yeah interesting there's the flyer Everybody have their all ages book. I can't deny it. Uh, I'm not sure where mine is. It's Everybody have their all ages book. I have it. All right. So thank you to Larry, first of all, for joining us, joining the crew for this uh, episode. We'd we'd love to have you back. Larry, I'm sorry for being a real piece of shit and taking the restraining order seven (laughs) (laughs) days. Your, your, your other two cohorts took the unbroken record, so you're listening. <laughs> you know. I also got the go crazy of mic by not knowing he was in a band I liked. So, <laughs> uh, definitely check out Larry's podcast, Bleach Mouth Postscript. Comes out when it comes out, but it's good times. Definitely check it out. Definitely. Find my band's record. That's more important, dude. I've got. I'm sitting on these fucking records. Can <laughs> <laughs> tell people what welcome, it is. Plug it. Welcome to the record business. Uh, <laughs> persistent aggressor. Um, members of Don Austin on Holy Three Splinter Ascension. Uh, Ascension, huh? I yeah. saw Ascension a couple of times. Yeah, ba- their bass player is our guitar player. He also recorded awesome. in his studio and does a really good job. Awesome. Um, metallic hardcore fast. Uh, some songs lean on a punkier side and other songs lean on a black metal side, ironically enough. Um, but I, I really, I like, it. it's the best thing I've been a part of, you know, and the record's great. Like it's really good. So you, people should definitely check it out. And Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're the man. And thank you to, uh, thank you to Mike Hartsfield for joining us in this adventure that we 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 took here (laughs) it was a good time (laughs) thank you guys it's uh i I love something that makes me think a little bit and isn't uh you know the the regular sort of questions like digging into the catalog and stuff is really cool i really enjoyed it yes yeah thanks for being on it was great we really appreciate you taking the time oh sure thank you guys and do you have anything you want to plug uh sure um we just finished uh, putting together the Free Will LP, which is uh, coming out on Unity Worldwide Records this September. Um, uh, a band we were doing in 88, 89 and died before 1990. Uh, we came back and did some shows in 2016 and 2017 um, and just put out a new record. And uh, there's a little bit of it on Spotify now. Um, the rest is coming out shortly but we'll have vinyl and stuff uh, in September and uh, getting out and doing that kind of stuff. And also uh, if anyone's familiar with the TV series, dark side of the ring, I'll be on an upcoming episode really? of that show coming oh, up. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> can you say, can you say what the episode is? Like we watch about? it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an episode on XPW that's coming okay. out uh, October, November, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and if it doesn't end up on the cutting room floor, you will see my face and hear my uh, my ridiculousness of uh, being part of the wrestling business. 
Nice. Nice. Right. Excited for that. I was actually, I saw when, um, in the like, you know, the episodes that are coming XPW, I was like, I wonder if Mike Harfield's going to be in this. Yeah. Uh, it was the thing they were most excited about is, um, if anyone's familiar with, uh, an event we did called free fall where uh, new Jack and Vic Grimes uh, fought on a scaffolding. Um, I was in charge of the scaffolding and everything that led up to it. So that's, that's pretty much the story. Uh, I think that probably had the most traction. And then uh, in the episode, new Jack and I both told a story that I'm thinking is probably going to meld together about him uh, knocking out a guy that I hated in a bar. So uh, ho- ho- hopefully, hopefully it all is, uh, is interesting once it's cut together and doesn't uh, end up as, uh, you know, extra footage or something that uh, gets tossed aside. Nice. Very cool. Jack should have front of a hardcore band. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks again, you guys. I really yeah. appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Think about it, everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Speaking of schools, I was uh, walking the Howard Halls the other day and I asked myself, is there life after high school? Because I can't face tomorrow, let alone a whole year of this shit. Going back to 